Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hooked on Fantasy. Today we have some exciting news. We have my boy Akash who's joining in for the first time. We're going to uh, well see and hear a lot more from him. Um, he's an awesome young mind in the fantasy industry, and he's very analytical, which will you know contradict me a lot of the times, which should be very fun for you to listen to. Um, Akash, how you doing? Welcome in. I'm doing great. How about you? You know, fantastic now that you're here. Um, so today we have a great show, though. We uh, There's not, I mean, is there any break, breaking news we need to touch on before we dive in? Do you think? I mean, Carson Wentz is back at practice today. That's pretty big. That's good. You know, there's a lot of Jamar Chase rumblings, but just a bunch of noise. Are you concerned about the drops for Chase at all? No, never concerned about drops. Yeah, you are the Deontay Johnson stand. Yeah, that's right. I am. You know, that I think, like, a lot of people go, like, Whenever something bad happens with the player, they're always like, oh, I'm going to start buying the dip on Twitter, and then no dip comes, but I legitimately think there is going to be a dip in value for Chase. People get really scared sometimes, especially with rookies. So I think you could buy the dip. Sure. I'm not going to lie. I did bump him down my redraft rankings today. See, there's the dip. There you go. Yeah, do you think – I don't think there's going to be a dip for Dynasty, though. I already had him lower in my redraft rankings just because top 20 was a bit harder for me to buy into because it's so hard to – do that as a rookie it's hard to guarantee because you can be you can get targets as a rookie still not be productive on them you could not earn targets it's a lot of question marks around it and That's there's fair. a lot of upside there because like there's only been four wide receivers finished top 12 as a rookie and so you're most likely going to end up as a wide receiver too anyway so just drafting him as a wide receiver too doesn't give you much upside from there i mean he could crack top 12 if everything goes right you know yeah, I mean, it's all it's not impossible. He can have a lot of the thing for him. You know, he's, he's a more of a vertical kind of red zone target kind of guy. So, I mean, I think the upside with him is touchdowns for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the drops is a bit of a concern for me just because I don't I don't want him to get off to like a I, – I just don't want him to get in his head. And it seems like he's been like really frustrated. And I feel like if he gets really frustrated, they might like bench him and like take, like take some pressure off him maybe. And I just don't really want to risk that. I'm much more comfortable with Devontae Smith currently than Mark – chase and redraft yeah. but i don't i know you don't love him so yeah i mean you're you're you making good points about like it's in his head you know we do this game with a bunch of numbers i do this game with a bunch of numbers but it's still a game is played with humans it is humans that's true all right so today we have a fun show we're going to talk about our breakout candidates for the 2021 season can be rookies can be veterans just some players that we think are going to like bust it open this season and just have a really good year um so kosh why don't you get us started with with your uh, running back pick. So my running back pick is pretty on brand. I picked DeAndre Swift, who I've been talking about nonstop on Twitter. If you follow me there, you know, there's tremendous receiving upside for Swift, and I don't get the reason that he's being faded. He's being faded for pretty much two reasons, for Jamal Williams and because the team is bad. And so, first of all, Jamal Williams, not a threat. You know, he didn't do much in Green Bay. He's not going to do much here. People are saying he can be the goal line back. I don't buy it. Swift, he's a short. He's shorter, but they have the same way. So he's more of a, a bowling ball. You know, he'll get the red zone work. He got the red zone work last year. Jamal Williams didn't get the red zone work in Green Bay. So there's not much of a threat there. As for receiving, Swift's a, clearly a better receiver. He's probably already one of the top ten receiving running backs in the league. He's definitely an elite receiving he's running back. Aspect. Yeah, I don't see them getting a lot more work. I don't see Jamal getting a lot of a lot more work than Swift or in anywhere close. And even if he does, it's still just those two in the backfield pretty much. So Swift can still get his own to pay off ADP. And so 
So what I did was I took a look. Do you think it's top five upside? I think it does, yeah. Just as a, just if you're just talking upside, definitely does because of the receiving, you know. If you're looking for top five upside, you're looking for carries, targets, and touchdowns. You know, I can I can see him getting out there because he he's getting the goal line work, he's getting the targets. You know, he can easily see a lot of the rushing work. If you look at all the running backs over the past ten years to lead their team in carries and see 80 targets mark that should be pretty easy for swift to hit you know he had 4.4 per game last year which over 16 games is 80 targets you know projected increase in target share as he moves into his sophomore season and so you could easily get to 80 plus targets you get a lot higher so if you look at just those two things leading your team in carries and having 80 targets 50 running backs over the last 10 years and of those, only eight finished outside the top 12, seven outside the top 16. Top 16 is where Swift being drafted now. So there's a lot of floor there. You're drafting him basically at, at his floor because I don't think those two marks will be particularly difficult for him to hit. You agree? Yeah, I, I think I do agree on that. I haven't ranked as my RB 16 currently. I think that, I mean, a lot today. That's right on consensus. That's where Underdog has him sure. right now. Right on consensus for sure. I like Swift. I think that he has a really high ceiling. I just don't feel comfortable with him as my RB1 just because I don't think he's going to see a ton of volume personally. I mean, the target's going to be there. I just don't think he'll be the most consistent week in, week out. I think he's going to have some nice weeks, though, for sure. How do you feel about the new coaching staff for Detroit? Um, I think it's great. I don't know why everyone's making such a fuss about it. I know there were some comments in over the summer that said Jamal Williams is the A-back, but they also said – back in, I think, April, that they can envision a Kamara-like uh, role for Swift, which if you've rostered Alvin Kamara or even seen him over the last few years, that's a pretty good thing for fantasy. That's 100-plus targets, a lot of work, a lot of red zone work, too. You know, they they do show sta- uh, shades of being similar players. I really think so. I mean, they both yeah. are really good at yeah. open runners and elite receiving backs. I mean, it's a similar yeah. comp kind of player situation for sure there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I like Swift for sure. Yeah, there's no one's touching Kamara. Like, there's no next Kamara, but Swift can definitely have that kind of upside. You have um, Anthony Lynn coming over from L.A., the Chargers, where they had Austin Eckler as a terrific receiving back. You have Dan Campbell coming from New Orleans, where they had Kamara as a terrific receiving back. So there's a lot of – and there's a lot of history of these coaches having really good receiving backs. And if you look at targets to running backs over – if you look at targets to running backs, coaching does matter. It's not just like as, as it is for tight ends and wide receivers where the targets are mostly earned. There's also targets that are given by dump-offs, design plays, and stuff like that. We have a comment from uh, Evil Empire FF. Uh, he's at RB13 for me. He says, Lions offense is bad, but upside is great. He's not only a volume play, but elite talent. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good take. Good take. Good take. All right, moving on to my, uh, my RB breakout pick. Uh, once again, pretty on brand for me here. Uh, I'm going with Najee Harris, uh, rookie for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have him as my RB9 on the season uh, just because, I mean, he's one of the few backs you can confidently say that I think he'll be on the field for first, second, and third down, like the true workhorse bell cow kind of uh, work workload. And I think that that's just fantasy gold. Uh, I, I just don't see a, a world where he finishes outside the top 12, honestly. If, if he stays healthy, Every single game, he's going to be getting so many targets, touches, goal line opportunities. 
Um, I think he's just in for a monster season flat out. I think he's a talented running back in a great situation. Yeah, you know, I I don't hate it. You know, I like I like Mixon for the same reason. So I can't disagree with anything there. You're making great points. You know, I'm not the biggest Najee guy in like Dynasty or anything, but redraft, you can make a case for him to do pretty well. Yeah, I think for Dynasty, it's fair to not love him because he's pretty old for a rookie yeah, running back. He, has, he already has a lot of mileage on him. But the college, um, the college production isn't elite or anything. Like you're drafting him at, already as like a top eight running back in Dynasty, where where the college production doesn't line up with that. But I, I get it. I thought he had pretty good college production, didn't he? Yeah, he had good college production in the last couple seasons, but it was like just in the last couple seasons where in the beginning of his career he kind of wasn't doing much. It was. He was kind of stuck behind like Jacobs and Damian Harris, but yeah, kind he, of. He was behind Josh Jacobs. Akash, give him a break. It was Alabama. Come on. Yeah, it's Alabama, but you still got to hold. I still hold all these players to the same standards, you know. That's fair. I understand. I understand. Uh, yeah, but I love Najee. Okay, let's move into our wide receiver breakouts. If you want to go first. Sure. I I got a bunch of guys. It's. I don't just love these receivers. I also love the idea of these receivers. Like these are young guys who have or terrific talents who can break out into the top 12 even so i'm thinking guys like brandon Ayuk, t higgins deontay johnson these are all guys going between around four five and six that's where you find a lot of these elite wide receiver breakouts guys like aj brown last year dk metcalf last year so if you like if you look at the jump in target share from rookie year to sophomore you see a lot of these guys jump up in a big way Ayuk and Higgins already has spectacular rookie seasons, Ayuk. And from there, they can jump up to being elite producers. How much does it concern you for Brandon Ayuk as far as being able to take the next step with the return of a healthy Debo Samuel and George Kittle? Yeah, I'm not as worried for Debo Samuel. I think he's pretty well below Ayuk in terms of talent. Like, if just looking at his usage in last year where he was pretty much getting only dump-offs and creating yards after catch with that is his usage doesn't pro his usage profile everything like that doesn't doesn't make him seem like a threat george kittle obviously a great tight end and great talent but george kittle sees off the top of my head he's not he's not seeing like a 30 percent target share probably 25 percent target share so there's plenty of room for Ayuk to eat into the other uh, like 75 percent and Ayuk from last year had a 23% target share, which was pretty, which is no doubt elite. Last year, he had 15.5 points per game, seventh amongst rookies since 2000. So he had an under the radar elite rookie season. I say under the radar, it's not so much now. Right now he's jumping, he's flying up the rankings, people are catching on, but you can still take advantage. He's being drafted right around wide receiver 24, but he has tremendous upside. Sure. Uh, of IU Higgins and Deontay, which one do you think is most likely to have that true leap this season? I'd say Ayuk. You know, I'm the Deontay Johnson stand, but I think Ayuk more because he profiles as an alpha receiver. He had an, a terrific rookie season. There's concerns for Deontay, definitely. I love him, and I love the target volume that he's getting. That he, He's getting volume that we can only hope Higgins and Ayuk get, but on his volume, he was he wasn't as efficient, which isn't something that you're overly concerned about. But it's not great. Whereas I, you, you, you can definitely see him jump into 
daily conversations over the next couple of years, and even next year, we can break out into the top 12, possibly. For sure. All right, I'm going to bounce over to my uh, breakout wide receiver. Uh, I'm really high on this guy this year, just mostly because of the quarterback play and an offense that I think is taking steps in the right direction. Uh, I'm heading over to Washington. I'm taking a look at Scary Terry McLaurin. Uh, I have him ranked as my wide receiver six this season, which is pretty high, uh, admittedly. But I think that Fitzpatrick is just going to, you know, do, do what he does best. He's going to chuck that ball downfield, and Terry McLaurin is going to be put in position to make a lot of plays, and he's an elite talent. So I think this is the year that he really takes the step forward. Yeah, I love McLaurin. Like, Gavin underscore FF on Twitter. He's the biggest McLaurin. State. He's probably the only guy higher on McLaurin than you. And he even really? top- Yeah, probably. He probably hasn't was a top five guy. I don't know. He's really gung-ho for McLaurin. But yeah, from in before McLaurin had two high ankle sprains, he was producing at a really high level, you know, and from that, from af- after his injuries, the production dipped a little bit. He finished just outside of the top 12 wide receivers, but I think you can see a big breakout this year. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. I, I think, like I said, it's just mostly – I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do great things for fantasy football for this offense. He might not even be the best uh, real-life right. quarterback. He's good in reality. He just has to you know, chuck it up, I guess. Yeah, and that's what he does. I mean, we've seen – remember when he was in Tampa Bay for that one year and Sean Jackson was, like, the number one wide receiver? It's just what he does, man. Like, Fitzpatrick just goes in. That was Evans' year, right? What did you say? I'm sorry? Evans that year was insane. Yeah, it was, yeah that was Evans. And that whole receiving quarter was just going nuclear, and it was all because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that we can see – uh, a resurgence of that kind of play ability from uh, Fitzpatrick this year and unlocking the wide receivers once again. I do actually like uh, Logan Thomas quite a bit as well. I, I, he's not my breakout. Really this I don't get why people are hating on him so much. It feels like they're hating on him just because of guys like Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown. When Even though I like Deami Brown, he's still a round three rookie. And Curtis Samuel's career high target share of 19% is the same target share that Logan Thomas had last year. So there's definitely True. room for even Logan Thomas to grow. And I definitely don't see that. Don't get people saying he's Gary Barnage 2.0 in that he came out of nowhere. It's going to bust next year. Cause I don't think he'll do that. I don't think so either. And they just paid him a three, uh, three year yeah, money, but they gave him a three year contract extension. He looked really good. So like if you watched him play, he looked yeah. fantastic. Uh, he's looked good in preseason as well. I saw him make some really nice uh, body adjustments on catches the other day. Um, I think he's a great player. I tweeted I, – I compared it to a bit like a Darren Waller, uh, like last offseason or the offseason 2019 where everyone was kind of down on Darren Waller because I just didn't think it was a sustainable rate of targets. And I agree. I, I mean, it makes sense. I understand the argument, but I don't think it's going to be as extreme as people think, and he's going to be a value once again. But Yeah, and um, even – yeah, like Logan Thomas – if you look at him, he definitely improved throughout the season. He wasn't that good at the beginning of the season. He had a he had a couple okay games, but for the most part, he was inefficient on his targets. He wasn't seeing as many targets. He definitely improved down the stretch. You know, maybe it was in part to Alex Smith coming in, Terry McLaurin getting a bit banged up. But Logan Thomas could definitely be a, somewhat of a value. He's probably going around tight end twelve. He'll probably finish around that. And he's not giving you any elite production, probably, but. He's definitely a good – I don't think that he's going to be a huge bust. See, I think there's a world where he cracks the top, like, six just again. If yeah, last year. It's definitely possible. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
But yeah, why, why don't we move on to tight end then? Here, I'll I'll, I'll do I'll go first, and then you can bring us home here with your uh, with your ramble. You have that's yeah, I do have a ramble. You know, last last night when Luke said we were doing the breakout video, you know, I instead of working on every single position, I just worked on tight ends for like two hours because I was going down a rabbit hole. And so I found some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, you kept texting me like random statistics about tight ends. Yeah, I did. So I was looking at top five breakouts because top 12 breakouts don't really matter. Those are guys that you'll find on the waiver wires and and stuff. Like those are guys that you'll stream every week. The top five guys are really what you're chasing. So the boxes, I've made some boxes that you got to check. You know, youth is important. So out of 20 so everything he's going to be out of the 22 top five breakouts since 2010 and so out of those guys 10 of them were in their first three seasons 12 of them were in their first four seasons they don't need to be a producer beforehand so 15 out of 22 of these guys the majority never even have a top 12 season before breaking out into the top five that's crazy so once these guys yeah once these guys break out they kind of stick to a certain level you know you're not going to find them middling around for a couple of years but you you can you know Travis Kelsey finishes tight end nine two years in a row before finishing his tight end one five years in a row but they don't need to be productive beforehand another thing important for these guys is 100 plus targets and that and being a top two option on their team you know out of the 22 guys only three of them had below 100 targets so they're around 90 they're 95 and 89 I think it's Julius Thomas at 89 and 95 for Mark Andrews and then all the way down at the bottom is Logan is uh no is um Robert Tunyon with 59 targets. That's absolutely ridiculous top five breakout. But no, you, you think Tunyon's a bust? I think so, possibly. Like it's a it's the same thing as Logan Thomas, pretty much. It's like they didn't score the points in the same way. Like well, I think it's I think it's less for. I think it's less about well. I think Thomas is like more safe in my opinion because yeah, think I agree. It's yeah, they didn't score. The, points in the same way uh Tanya was like all touchdowns Thomas was more targets yeah everyone's saying that he's gonna bust again he finishes tight end he tied for tight end three last year but no one's drafting him at tight end three so it's at like the, everything's baked into his cause he's going like around like tight end 12 so he, he could not be a bust he could prove that that season wasn't a fluke but you know you're not paying a hefty price to get him so if you want if you like him I guess you could take him there's nothing overly wrong with it. Sure. So why, don't boxes, the, why don't you get into the guys that you do like that? Yeah, the boxes. So one of the guys checks every box that I wish we could talk about is Cal Pitts because he's young. He's in his first year. He was never productive before in the NFL because he's a rookie, you know. But he can easily see 100 targets. He was drafted fourth overall in the draft. He's already, he's probably already a top two option on his team, you know, but the price is, is just too much. He's already being drafted as tight end four. And so there's nothing advantageous of me saying to you, you should draft Kyle Pitts because he's a potential top five breakout because everyone's saying that by drafting him in the top five already. So I wish we could talk about Kyle Pitts. I think he can be a, great, a good player even in year one, but he yeah, doesn't actually fit the mold of, of a breakout candidate. You, no, can't you can't really be a breakout if you're being drafted as the fourth overall exactly. player. Exactly. No one's disagreeing with me. So I'm not, this isn't actionable advice if I say he could finish top five. So another guy checked some of the boxes Cole Komet. You know, I've never been a big Cole Komet fan. You know, he's, uh, I was worried about Jimmy Graham. You know, he wasn't, you know, 
but he definitely has some upside. You know, if the guy is going to be a top five tight end, he's not going to be stopped by Jimmy Graham. So I think Komet does have that in his range of outcomes because he checks some of these boxes. But if he's gonna get if he's gonna get there, he's not gonna be stopped by Jimmy Graham. So there is definitely some upside. You're taking him around tight end 18, around guys like Jared Cook, Rob Gronkowski. Neither of those guys have much upside at this point. They're older in their careers, you know. And they could definitely produce like borderline top twelve numbers. But in that range, I'd rather have Komet, who probably ends up as an average tight end, but definitely, you know, there's a small chance he breaks out in a bigger way than people expect. What, then, how do you feel about uh, Adam Troutman? Adam Troutman, you know, he definitely he checks the boxes too. He's going in his second year. He's never productive before. He's he, actually the opposite of productive before. He only had 15 catches as a rookie. But with Michael Thomas injured, he definitely has a path to becoming a top two option on his team. But the thing I don't like about Troutman is that – He's being used as a blocker a lot. He's a really good blocking tight end, which definitely inhibits your fantasy potential because if you're going to be asked to block, you're not going to be able to score as many score as many points. You know, not going to run as many routes, not going to earn as many targets. So that's definitely standing in the way of him. And if you watch the Saints preseason games, they were using him mostly at, more as a blocker than people who are already drafting top twelve would definitely like to see. So I don't like him. But if you can get him cheap enough, he definitely he checks some of these boxes that you could look at. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll, I'll jump into I have a couple here. Uh, so my, my main one is TJ Hawkinson, but like what you said with Kyle Pitts, he's already kind of high up there. People kind of expect good things from him already. I think he's being drafted around tight end six. Um, I, I like TJ Hawkinson's ceiling a lot this year because I think he's going to be a PPR machine. He can see a lot of targets, and if he stays healthy, I think he could easily crack that top five realm. I mean, he's one spot away, but um, I have him ranked a tight end four this year. Um, I think he has – I think he's in for a big season. I just think that he's going to be used a lot in the Detroit offense because they don't have many uh, options on the outside. So I think Jared Goff's going to have a lot of t- uh, checkdowns underneath and over the middle to T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, but the one that's more exciting and uh, the more of the deep dive is Johnny Smith. I know Akash doesn't love Johnny, but – um, I think that he is a great value pick right now in drafts, regardless of him being a true breakout. Um, even if he finishes that borderline tight end one numbers, um, Johnny Smith is a great pick just because I think he got paid too much money to not be featured in the offense. Uh, him and Hunter Henry both got paid a big bag. They don't have great wide receiver options. It's Nelson Aguilar and, um, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Don't, his name? Yeah, don't don't say Jacoby Myers isn't great already, man. Jacoby Myers, yeah, sorry. Jacoby Myers is also fantastic. But um, I think yeah. that Janu and Hunter are going to be featured in the offense, especially around the end zone, uh, the red zone. I think that Janu's going to be big-time red zone target. I don't like to bank on touchdowns, but I think combined with the money they paid him, I think he's going to be featured in the offense as far as uh, one of the main passing targets. And um, I think he's a great, uh, great, great uh, late-round draft pick for sure, and he could easily crack top 10 if everything goes according to plan. We have a, a question in the comments here from Bulls182. What about Friar Muth and Redraft? As you can see, I'm a Steelers fan. Uh, I like Pat Fryermuth a lot. I think he was a great draft pick. He showed out very well in the preseason game the other day with two touchdowns. But with that being said, uh, I think that Eric Ebron is going to be the main target at tight end for the Steelers. Um, but for both players, unless Fryermuth becomes a red zone touchdown machine, um, he's probably going to be sitting on your waiver wire, and he should be. I don't think you should be drafting him right now. Um, if he shows good signs, pick him up aggressively. But Right now, I think he should be sitting on your waiver wire. Dynasty, though, he's a great stash. I've said this a lot. If you're playing in a dynasty league, 
uh, or especially a dynasty tight end premium league, go get Pat Fryermuth right now. Um, he's an awesome pickup, especially next year when Eric Ebron's likely going to be hitting the road because he has one year left on his contract. Um, he's awesome, but for this season, he should be sitting under waiver wire, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It's you know the only guy to finish to, as a usable tight end uh, in their rookie year was Evan Ingram, and he's basically a wide receiver, and he was used that way. Uh, Pat Fryermuth isn't isn't that. He's not going to be used in that wide as a wide receiver, and he's also probably at best going to be the fourth option on the team, fifth option. At best, he'll probably be fifth. At best, that if he can behind if, if he can be the tight end one there, he's still behind those three good re- receivers. And, and Najee probably. Najee could see more targets than than we expect. You never know. Yeah, who knows? So I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on it. You'd be hard pressed to find usable production in a, in a tight end rookie year. But if you take him late enough, I'm not sure where he's going right now. I could check. But if you take him going on draft, going right? tight end, tight end 29 at pick 210. So that's he's going six picks away from being undrafted. So he's pretty much on your waiver wire. So if you want to pick him up off the waiver wire and stash him, you know, I, you can if you want. It's your, it's your uh, choice and he's basically free. But, you know, maybe we see some rumblings down the stretch as Ebron fades away and Fryermuth shows some flashes, you know. I mean, Fryermuth looks good in that pre- – I don't know if you watched it. He looked, caught, yeah, he did look good. He looks good. I mean, those two at red zone targets, I mean, he, he caught both of them. He looked great, but yeah, that was about it, though. Um, he didn't really catch any other balls. But so good. Uh, as a Steelers fan, I have a question. So, yeah. Mike Tomlin and the rookie wall. You know, we want to see. We want to be like, uh, oh, this this tight end. He could flash down the stretch because that's what rookies do. They do better at the end of the season. But Tomlin likes to employ the rookie wall like policy, I guess. Where he plays it less. He did it with Claypool last year, and it's infuriating. I've, I've already talked about it a lot with Claypool. Yeah, Mike Tomlin and Randy Feekner. It was I was a lot of Randy Feekner as well, their old offensive coordinator. They really strongly believe in the rookie wall, which basically means that they taper you off uh, towards like the back third of the season. Uh, they start lowering your snaps and everything because you say your body's more adjusted to the college football season, which is shorter. Twelve games yeah. at the most. Yeah, right? so, yeah, so they like taper them off at the end. It's really, really annoying. I don't it's think they have the choice to do that with Najee this year. I think Najee's gonna get the full workload regardless, but. That's actually another reason why I point to Chase Claypool a lot this season because even with that rookie wall tapering off, he was still fantastic. Um, love Claypool. I think he could be a breakout candidate for me as well, wide receiver. I think he's in for a big year. He could easily uh, shout out to Mike from the Fantasy Footballers, FF Pitman, my guy, one of my favorite analysts of all time. I was listening to their My Guy show from this past Friday, and Claypool was one of his My Guys. And he was giving stats, and him and DK Metcalf had very, very identical rookie seasons. Yeah, yeah. He was thinking and that they have similar builds too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was going into like how coming out, they're both huge guys, and they're like maybe they should play tight ends. Like, are they going to be a good wide receiver? Had a lot of touchdowns, good rookie season, flashed great potential on the field. Yeah, and I think that Claypool could take a huge second year leap. Probably not to the extent that DK Metcalf did because the target share won't be as high, but um, probably yeah. makes a major noise. I'm a big Deontay guy, but there's definitely aspects of Claypool that you gotta love. You gotta love the. Uh, the alpha size, you gotta love the good rookie production. Definitely he looks like, that. dude, as a Steelers fan, like, I'm not biased with my takes ever. I mean, yeah. he, look, he looks like a star, like, on the field. Yeah. Like, he's he very well could be. Yeah, he makes good plays, too. Anyway, um, I misspoke about tight ends. Rob Gronkowski 
finished as tight end 11 in his rookie season. So huh, okay. two, two rookie tight ends finished top 12. And then there was 16 other ones who finished top 24. That doesn't really help you at all. Like, yeah, top Arnold was tight end 24 last year, so I don't know how much a top 24 tight end's helping you. Dan Arnold. If you want to grab Frymuth for free, maybe he can contribute in a way. Maybe. All right, let's round things out with our quarterbacks here. Who do you got for your QB? I got a couple young guys. You know, it's hard to make a breakout candidate podcast with QBs just because so many of them have been around for a while and they're already established guys. But I got Justin Fields, Tua Tungvaloa, and I even added Zach Wilson. I'm not a big Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's going. He's going as a really cheap young guy. In his ADP, last time I checked, the cost was quarterback twenty nine. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I saw that. You know, it's it's really low for a guy that's definitely right. He's definitely going to start week one. So there's that. There's upside there. You know, you could see not a Herbert like season, but a Herbert like ascension, and that everyone was so low on him. That yeah, that's what I tweeted a while ago. I was like, Wilson could be this year's. And I said he is this year's mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. Not in the sense that he's going to be Justin Herbert, but in the sense that he was drafted high and everyone's overlooking him for some reason, even though he's very right. talented. And the thing with Herbert is that everyone was so on him because it looked like he wasn't going to be ready at all. But Zach yeah. Wilson, it, he's going to be ready. He's going to start, but everyone's still low on him. So there's definitely potential for him to outproduce his ADP. Corey, dude, Zach Wilson and Corey Davis, Corey Davis the is best stack you Davis is solid. Yeah, definitely. They look, they look good in preseason, you know. That's just Corey Davis. You add in Elijah Moore, Jameson Crowder, two solid guys too. You know, you could have Zach Wilson producing well in his rookie season. Probably I'll produce the QB twenty four numbers even. I don't I don't know about rushing. He was a solid rusher at BYU, but he I'm pretty sure I checked before the pod. He didn't have any rushes in either of the preseason games. So, you know, if there's no if there's less rushing upside, there's less potential for QB production, obviously. I mean, I don't like to throw around these comps, but I feel like he plays a similar like game style to like a, an Aaron Rodgersy kind mm-hmm. of quarterback, where it's like a gunslinging kind of mobile build, but they don't yeah. really scramble that much. They just run like when it's needed to like pick up a first mm-hmm. down. So I feel yeah. like Aaron Rodgers low-key mobile before. Pull out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Rodgers was low-key mobile before, like before like the last five seasons. He was. He put up a couple 300-yard rushing seasons. You know, he's no slouch. But yeah, for Zach Wilson, there's upside there just because his price is lower, whereas Justin Fields, a guy who isn't expected to start week one, probably won't, is already being priced as a top 12 guy just because when he starts, he's a great quarterback. You know, he's a great prospect. He got, He's uh, in a position to succeed because of his rushing ability. People are already drafting him super highly because of it. And so... There's less advantage. There's less advantage there just because it looks like he's he's already priced higher when he's not even guaranteed to start as soon. But there's definitely an upside there. He rushed for 79 yards and a touchdown in his two preseason games and only playing like around I think half the snaps. So mm-hmm. the rushing's there. We know that he's a guy that we we already know he's that kind of guy. I mean, he's a great passer with great weapons. And then Tua Tungvaluwa. He looked like the guy we saw in college with elite ball placement. He looked sharp. He looked sharp. Yeah, he looked really sharp. You know, uh, one of the reasons I'm one of the reasons I like him is because they they didn't pass a lot last year, but in like neutral passing frequency, they were uh, eighth 
in neutral pass frequency during the weeks that Tua started. So from week eight to 17, they were eighth in neutral pass frequency. And they also invested in wide receivers with paying Will Fuller a one-year deal to come in and pay, and um, spending the sixth pick on Jalen Waddle. So telling me, you know, they want to pass, they want to be that team, they want to build around Tua and want to get him the weapons so that he can succeed. And also, I think the defense could even regress. So look for more passing from him, elite. He, he has elite ball placement. He can be a really great QB, sneaky mobility maybe. Even even on coming off the big hip injury two years ago, he could still be uh, sneaky mobile. That's the term. Sneaky mobile, sneaky athletic, baby. Love to see it. Yeah. Us white guys love to hear that term thrown around. Um, let's see. Uh <laughs> Valid or not? All right. Um, moving into my my last uh, my last breakout here. Uh, staying on brand once again. I got Joe Burrow. Um, not gonna lie. Nah, he's changing the lights to red to say nah. Not valid. Okay. Nah, no, I'm messing with you. That's fair. But um, I, I've been beating the drum for Joe Burrow all off season. Um, hopefully, if he listen, I know this is a big gift, but if he is healthy and he looks good like himself on the field. He easily could crack the top like eight, six ish quarterbacks if everything goes perfect this year. Um, I know. He's rushing for that. I like, know. volume's there. They're going to be a crazy passing team. He just coming off of the ACL tear. Will there be mobility there to support top six numbers or top eight numbers? Maybe not. Can he sneak into the top 12 if his touchdown rate's good? Yes, I think so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just think that the passing volume is going to be nutty for that team because their defense is pretty poor. And um, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon are nasty weapons. Um, mm-hmm. the, and another reason I like the, Joe Burrow is a, a few reasons. We've seen a lot of second- or third-year quarterbacks taking big steps forward recently. Lamar Jackson yeah. in his second year, Kyler in his second year, Josh Allen in his third year. It's been, it's been really, really prevalent in fantasy recently, and I think a lot of those trends have been related to adding an elite wide receiving option for Kyler and Josh Allen mm-hmm. uh, with DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs. And if Jamar Chase can be that guy to really bring the wide receiver core forward as a whole with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase, I think that just speaks volumes for how good Burrow could be this year. Um, I really, really like him, and I think that he could have a really big year. So the thing, Lamar rushed for 1,000 yards, Kyler rushed for 800 yards, Josh Allen in his top in his top eight breakout, he rushed for 509 touchdowns. In his QB1 season, he rushed for 408 touchdowns. See, I don't see that kind of upside with uh, Joe Burrow, do no, you? No, I'm not saying he's going to finish, like, top three. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I think that he could finish, like, top eight. And if he can okay. – if he, if, he if he even can crack, like, that realm, like, that's huge mm-hmm. for him as far as, like, where he's going right now as ADP goes. I haven't ranked him like QB11 or 12 right now. I'm not, I'm not insane. I just, have, um, he's like QB 14 right now in consensus. So you have him like ahead of guys like Stafford or Tannehill. I do. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull up my rankings real quick. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I love Burrow. On his Twitter, he just dropped him for free. You don't even have to pay for them. He was going to, he's going to make people pay for them. And out of the goodness of his heart, he decided not to make people pay for them. Well, out of the goodness of my heart. And I just don't think anyone's going to buy it. So, uh, yeah, might as well just the do it. goodness of his heart, people. Yeah. The goodness of my heart. Yeah, but yeah, if you do want to check out my free uh, full rankings for redraft, they're on my Twitter, they're on my pinned tweet if you want to check them out. But yeah, my quarterback rankings uh, for you and Akash, uh, I got Mahomes QB1 just because, you know, he's Mahomes. Uh, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, 
Dak at four, Lamar at five, Tom Brady six, Russell Wilson seven, Tannehill eight, Hurts nine, Aaron Rodgers ten, Burrow eleven, Herbert twelve. I've been uh, dude. Wow. I've, oh yeah, I, I've, I've been ballsy. I've been with ballsy with Herbert. Herbert, Herbert, Herbert guy. Yeah, I don't know about that. Not gonna lie, like I listen. Like if if I was if I was advising someone on draft day who think it's their quarterback Burrow or Herbert, and they're both on the board, I would tell them to take Justin Herbert. But for oh, good. For me to have that out in the world, I have to, you know, plant my flag. So you understand. You understand. Yeah, yeah. You understand. Yeah, that, you're getting a bit too crazy there, you know. But you got to show conviction, man. You got to stick to your takes. If you think Burrow's better than Herbert, you go out there and you tell people that when they're drafting. I not in real life. I'm just saying for fantasy, I think you'd be better. So who knows? All right. Well, you know what, guys? That'll do it for our first episode of Kosh and I uh, holding it down for the first time. Plenty more to come. We'll see you guys on Thursday to talk about our bust picks. And then next Tuesday, we'll go into sleepers, and then we'll keep on rolling from there. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Yes, sir.